Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James. Today I'm joined by Andy Powell. Andy ha- Powell? Powell? No, that's not oh, I wish. Uh, Andy Howell. <laughs> Sorry, I've got Andy Powell on the mind. It's been uh, one of them weekends. Um, I've actually got him on the mind because you're a bit of a fun family stock yourself, uh, Ben, and I understand that Andy Powell took to a tractor and trailer um, and brought out the old buggy to, to celebrate Brecken's uh, victory in the plate, was it? Plate in final? the plate, yeah. They uh, went round Brecon on a tractor and trailer, and as anyone who's driven through Brecon will know, it's it's hard enough driving through some of them one-way streets in a car. So taking a tractor and trailer through it is uh, is some achievement. So uh, fair play to them boys. But no, you're you're Andy Howell. Let's get that straight. Um, and we got plenty to discuss today, haven't we? Yes, yes we have. With the uh, Royal squad, uh, training squad for the World Cup being announced uh, yesterday. Forty-two uh, uh, players in it. Also look back a bit on the old uh, Judgment Day and the future of uh, Mr. Sean Edwards, who seems to be exasperating Warren Gatland. Indeed, he does. Well, let's uh, let's start with the the World Cup training squad. Um, Forty-two man squad named, maybe a little bit smaller than we were expecting, but um, one or two surprises in there, perhaps. Uh, well, Reese I... Car- Carey would be the sort of name that we maybe hadn't quite seen coming. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Of course, uh, Annie's off to uh, Sazens for next season. If he does get capped during the summer, um, you know, or he can stay. He can be capped by Wales, even though he's got. You know, he hasn't got a cap. He can be capped by uh, 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 Wales during his time at uh, Sazens till his contract comes up for uh, for renewal there. So uh, you know, Gatland did say yesterday that the. Um, that that's not the reason why they're picking him, but they see him as part of. Uh, he was already earmarked as part of the succession planning, and at, um, uh, be, behind the three uh, loose heads, Rob Evans, uh, Nicky Smith, and uh, Win Jones. He did point out as well. Rob Evans is struggling with an injury at the minute, and they need bodies in the in the squad. And uh, you know he's, he's carries on a big future. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's in there. They've gone for. Um, a load of front row forwards. Um, you know, they with a squad of forty-two, they'd be a lot of practice matches, I suppose, there's enough players. Um, so it's quite uh, quite interesting. He also said as well as a couple of boys on the injured list, um, Thomas um, Thomas Young and yes. uh, and Alice Jenkins. You know, they if they improve their fitness, they could join the uh, training squad uh, later. Wales gone for. Lower number this time of players because they've come from position of strength, record 14 match winning streak, and the um, Six Nations Grand Slam champions. And uh, Gatlin, interestingly, said they're going to use these four World Cup warm ups as sort of a dummy run for the World Cup in a sense that at the World Cup they're going to go fully loaded against uh, opening fixture against Georgia, then against Australia, then against Fiji. I think perhaps going to rest players against Uruguay in the final fixture at the pool stage. So Wales, the plan is to go fully loaded, and they certainly for the first, virtually fully loaded for the first three matches of the um, World Cup preparation games against England and Ireland. And of course, he did say as well, Wales have won fourteen in a row. They're not far off the world record, sixteen, uh, eight, yeah. nineteen. Sorry, of England, that. New Zealand. You know, do you want to throw that away now at this stage? You know, this could be a once. You know, could be the only opportunity Wales will ever yep. get of uh, of uh, perhaps uh, breaking our world record. Indeed, um, yeah, that was it. Was the interesting thing that was the forty-two 
man squad because I I picked a I picked a forty eight man squad last week, but in the back of my mind I did I did wonder whether Gatlin would go smaller just because it it did make sense because I was I was picking names I was thinking well I was picking boys who were, who were simply going to into the squad to make up the numbers and be fourth choice scrum half or fourth choice hooker when if we're being honest. Gatland's built a strong pool and he, he knows the bulk of that squad and I thought well, what's, the, what's the point in picking the sort of boys just to, to make up the numbers when, when you can pick a, a sort of smaller squad that's going to be really competitive with it and that's what he's done um, but yeah you know as, as you say um, of course you've got Owen Lane in there as well Owen Lane's uh, an interesting one isn't he yeah, um, well, I think we, 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 we expected him to make the training squad didn't mm. we? Uh, even even with the sort of injury that he, he suffered on Saturday, he seems to have a knack of suffering these injuries days before Wales squads. But, um, you know, if, if he can get some sort of minutes uh, in the warm-ups, I, I, I back him to make that 31-man squad. Well, he's got a good chance. Yeah. It's an opportunity for him. Depends how he goes in his warm-up games. If he gets a chance in them, and then how he goes. Um, it, it, you know, and then there's been some debate already about the um, um, you know the, the split in the squad between forwards and, and backs and what sort of s- split it will actually be when the squad is trimmed to 31 for the World Cup you know Gatlin sort yeah. of said yesterday because it's in Japan they probably have to take nine front row forwards which takes out a lot of spaces ideally perhaps they need to find a prop or can one of their props play loose and tight end you could take one less. They spoke about they've spoken about Dylan Lewis doing that in the past. Right. Um, I remember was it it was either the Six Nations or the Autumn, but they spoke about having Dylan Lewis performing that role because obviously throughout the last year or even perhaps even more than that, they've been they've been taking thirty one man squads to matches to replicate the thirty one man squad they'll have in Japan next year and I think Dylan Lewis will have featured in a lot of those 31-man squads, even if he's not in the 23-matchday squad, simply just because he, he can cover both sides of scrum. That's, that's been the thinking, I think. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see if they, if, they, if they do risk that and take five props rather than six. Mm. Um, obviously going to take three hookers. They're not going to... Obviously, they got away with it in England. You know, you could get away with it in England. Goes the next door, and you just exactly, call something yeah. up, and over there in a few hours, but Japan's a bit different. But you know, then it's it's an interesting split with the rest of the pack, isn't it? Because as as we all know, Wales are blessed with an abundance of back row talent. So it's it, it sort of who, who who do you pick and who do you leave behind? What do you leave uh, with? Alan Shingler's, you know, back in the squad from that uh, missed the all season for injury. He's on the point of return. We'll see if he can prove his health and fitness. Um, that I would suggest he would have a good chance going to um, Japan as perhaps a utility forward who can also play lock. Yeah. You know, maybe at the expense of someone like Jake Ball or Bradley Davis. Is he if he's in there? I would have thought three three definite locks to go to Japan will obviously be Alan Wynne Jones, Corey Allen and Beard. I think it's, it's a tough one because I think I think Jake Ball offers you a point of difference because he's physical. So then it comes to, so I, I I'd keep Jake Ball just to have something different to Beard, Alan Wynne and Corey Hill. 
then you're probably looking at Shingler. Does Shingler Shingler's does, quite physical though. Yeah, but it, it, see all they could do is, is, is Corey Hill's probably going to go as a lock. Yeah, well, he could go and cover back row. He, he can play. He can play back row, which is what they might do. I think. I think you've got to find a space for Shingler just because. What? I think he's 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 physical. He likes playing the outside chance, and also well, he's good football. Look, isn't he? look uh, line out options. Yeah, yeah. You look at um, you look at Wales last year had the best line out in Test rugby. It was like operated at ninety four percent success rate, and that's because you had Shingler there as well as Tiprick. This year, it's been Tiprick alone as the sort of the main line out option, and it, it's faltered a bit. So um, I'd certainly be keen to sort of try and get Shingler back involved somehow, fitness permitting. But yeah, it's just a um, it's, it's a nice headache to have for for, for Gatland. Um, look, looking at this forty two man squad, how, how many how many of these names do we think are nailed on to go to the World Cup? Well, colleague Simon Thomas thinks about twenty four. He's done a piece saying 24, 24 players. I would okay. have thought he's not far off. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's the same as anything, isn't it? It's the last, yeah. it's the last few, which are the most difficult. So it's fitting them all in. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some big names that are going to get the job. I'm afraid. So I suppose if we work our way sort of through, not that we, we won't go name by name, but we just sort of work, work our way through the positions, and we can probably see where some of these key decisions are. So starting. Back three, you know, there's obviously four players who are nailed on. Halfpenny, North, uh, Adams and Liam Williams. Then you've got Hal Amos, Steph Evans, Owen Lane and Jonah Holmes. Yeah, Holmes could go as the third scrum half. Cover as the third scrum half. When was the last time he played scrum half, though? He's probably looking at his London Welsh days. Probably. Is that... I, I, you could perhaps do an emergency job uh, you know, on the bench and hope the scrum half who's playing doesn't get injured. Potentially, you know, um, while they wait, if 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 you know if it was a worst case scenario, they want to bring a player over from here. If he went as emergency scrum he half, he could do that job until that player arrives. If he went as emergency scrum half, who would you who 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 were the two other scrum halves you'd take? But top two scrum halves are um, Garth Davis and Thomas Williams. So you, you would go at the expense of Ali Davis, I would suggest, because. Obviously, Alec Davis is a different type of scrum half to Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams. Yeah. So, is there an argument that you take? Thomas Cook could all run game. Yes, yeah. I, I would agree with you that they are the top two scrum halves, Thomas and Gareth. But it's when you when you sort of start weighing up squad balance, do you maybe consider taking? Obviously, Gareth. We know what Gareth Davis' strengths are. He snipes around fringes. He keeps defenders on the toes. Alec Davis is more of a controller, isn't he? You know, he, he kicks a lot. Bit more methodical. It, it, if you if you're limiting yourself to two out and out scrum halves, it, it's it's the balance that you pick then, isn't it? Yeah, but you could you know Thomas Williams is as good a kicker as uh, Alan Davis. Yeah, he's got you know, he's got plenty of control. You know, Garth Davis got other strengths as well. He really seems really good defender. They're putting pressure, hustling the opposition outside half, which they use him to do. So. You know, you know, my opinion, the best two scrum halves uh, those three are Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams. So I'd take them. It's going to be a big debate. Do you have a specialist third scrum half? Or do you do that with Jonah Holmes? It's going to be an interesting one. You know, they say they're not going to have a knock-on effect. The outside half situation. Uh, Dan Bigger 
Garth Hanscom or Che Hanscom as a utility player? Will, a th- will there be a third outside half? Will it be Jared Evans or will it be Reese Patchell? That's, that's the big, that's the one at the minute, isn't it? You know, you know Garth Hanscom and Dan Bigger on the plane. Simple as that, isn't it? Um, you know, go, go back a year ago, Reese Patchell was the man in possession of the starting jersey. Um, and it's you know it's, it's it's been a sort of nightmare season for him you know two concussions sort of back to back and then a, a hamstring injury and it's really just sort of hindered him. Um, well, they, you I thought, know, I thought well they need a third outside half because of course in again in emergency Parks could play outside half. I would. Um, you could always take three fly halves and then take four back three players, knowing that Anscombe and Patrick can play full back and half Penny and Williams can play on the wing. Yeah. But um, you know, like you say, there's, there's, a, there's enough options in that in that back line. Um, centers, you're probably looking at Hadley Parks, John Davis, and then one off Scott Williams or Owen Watkin. Yeah. That's a that's a tough decision, mainly just because. Plus George Osgo cover centre. You know, Scott Scott Scott's got all the experience, but he just hasn't had any of the luck with injuries this year, has it? No. You know, Owen's been there and sort of been a mainstay in that squad for a year now, so it's. That's a big decision, not with those pair. Yeah. Who, who would you go with? It depends on World Cup warm-ups, in my to me. I'd like to see Scott Williams playing some of the World Cup warm-ups. See how he goes. Because yeah, I think he does bring quite a lot to the party if he's fit. I think if he gets back fit, you know, he's. I do sometimes feel with Scott that you, you, you do occasionally feel that he hasn't quite delivered on on the international stage. But then, look at his record. But then man. you look he at his been, you look at his record, and he's you know he's he's, he's, he's delivered some great moments in some big games. Exactly, as yeah. England twenty twelve against Ireland. Uh, was it twenty fifteen or something? Could it be? Yeah, some big moments and big games he's delivered. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's a good player, yeah. Scott, had, um, you know, he's got vision, hasn't he? And yeah. creativity. Yeah, so he does bring something to the party and he's obviously hugely experienced, but the key with him is getting him fit. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, got some in- interesting sort of decisions for, for Gatland. Um, do you expect to see all of the all those names getting run outs in the warm-ups? No, not everybody. No. I don't know about the outside half situation, for example. Will uh, perhaps the best that Patchell or Evans could hope for would be the bench. Would have thought, you know, if he's saying he's using him as a uh, dummy run for the World Cup, it's either Anscom or Biggers going to be playing at 10. Yeah. So, you know, he's just... If anything, because Wales is in such a good position, and it's a case of holding form. Yeah, and then because they know, they know virtually, you know, they know. Well, then you they expect know their first choice team are virtually all their first choice team. And then you expect him to name a sort of slightly changed team for the final warm-up game, going on what you said yesterday. Yeah, well, potentially, yeah. Which but is, of course, that's, that's of course, the only snag is if Wales have won. The other three warm-ups they're on 17 and they got a streak of 17 and they're just two off equal in a world record so what do you do That's, the final game comes after the full the 31 squad is announced isn't it yeah so it'd be those players wouldn't it probably the, don't, wouldn't have to be but could be wouldn't it 
could could be tempted then to give someone like yeah but would you want to throw away that chance of a record I don't know I don't know maybe you know just thinking like say yeah say say you went with two fly halves you take bigger and Anscom maybe then after you've named the World Cup squad you, you, you have a look at Jared mm. Evans and Reese Patchell just, just to sort of see who, who who's who's sort of there as injury cover yeah. and also just to give Hanscom and Bigger just keep them out of sort of playing a fourth test so close to a World Cup you know those, those are the sort of decisions yeah, yeah, yeah. Warren Gatlin's got to make some way down the line but um, let's, let's speak about Warren Gatlin because obviously um, he faced the media yesterday you, you went along to the Vale to ask the questions what was uh, what did what did uh, Warren have to say well he was on good form yesterday uh, he obviously explained in detail the risk carry thing he took some time explaining how that all worked about the eligibility thing uh, etc and then uh, Sean Edwards he's clearly exasperated about the Sean Edwards situation he said it cannot go on he said uh, he, he, he pointed the finger of blame at Edwards, uh, it's up to Sean to make a decision on his uh, on his future. WIU offered him contract in good faith and all. Just waiting on Sean. It's about France, you know. France is in for him. Because story the day that the French have confirmed they've been in full negotiation with him, and they are also waiting for an answer because he didn't say yes and he didn't say no. So it, you know, it's down to Sean. Yeah, Gatlin said he wouldn't. Um, he wouldn't. Uh, you know, he would. He's not happy with the situation he said that um, you know needs to be sorted out Sean needs to make up his mind where it's going um, he's had a brief conversation with uh, Sean about it and uh, he said if it goes on any longer then I think it would be a distraction he said he's sick about reading about it in the newspapers every day uh, he says he can let it go at the moment because of the um, the Wales have not started training yet but they start I think it's May the 27th and he said, uh, if it goes on much longer, I'll be, then I'll be on words where people will get it sorted out because there's been enough speculation and talk that's gone on. And, uh, you know, he said uh, he wouldn't, be, you know, he's not happy with it. So, uh, you know, he said, he, well, he said, he's quoted, it's not something I would put up with. So, um, the ball is in Sean Edwards' uh, uh, court and... Um, you know, it's up to him to make a decision. The quicker the better, because Gatlin says he's not allowing it to undermine Wales's World Cup preparations. You know, so it's, uh, so it's a case now with, uh, obviously, Edwards having to say yes or no about a new contract that's stressed now after the World Cup. He's employed by Wales for the end of the year, uh, World Cup. Well, Gat- Gatlin, I assume, doesn't, you know, it's not his issue what Edwards does after the World Cup but it's just wants it sorted now for the build up to the World Cup so uh, it's just quite the contrast to sort of Gatlin's obviously Gatlin's own future's up in the air but that was very much a case of well that's you know he's just leaving he's leaving yeah. his position and it's uh, you know he hasn't been offered a new deal by Wales Gatlin so it's, uh, it's irrelevant isn't it yeah. the, the, the thing that's happened here is when uh, you know we all thought Edwards was going uh to Wigan after he was paraded at the press uh, conference to be their next coach and he's done a U-turn no longer uh, going there so that caught the Welsh Rugby Union off guard uh, but of course they've offered him another deal now to work with the incoming defence coach Byron Hayward under the new boss Wayne Pivach so um, and Pivach wants to keep uh, Edwards as well so it's um, maybe would have been uh, 
it would have been easier, probably would have been easier for the, uh, and you would have avoided all this saga of the Union, and uh, Pimlick has just said, well, we made no decision, Sean Edwards said he was going to Wigan, and uh, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you think, Ben, I can ask you, as the, as the WIU, about the public pressure yeah. about Sean Edwards. It has always felt sort of, when was it, um, we sort of had these sort of smatterings coming out where it was, you know, Pivak said, Sean's made his decision, Sean said, you know, nothing's concrete after that grand slam win. And then I think it was a couple of days after that, Martin Phillips came out saying, well, if there's a way we can keep Sean Edwards, we would. And it, it, at that point it felt, okay, the union are going to sort of bow to public pressure here and... I don't know. I don't know if that's the best thing you can have when you've got a new coach like Wayne Pivak coming in is having having the public still clamouring for Sean Edwards to stay. You know, obviously he is massively you know popular with with the public, but probably got to respect what the new coach wants. And I don't know whether that's the most helpful thing for the union to have done, but if it works, it works. But at the minute, it's it's just all sort of dragging on a bit. Yeah. Unnecessarily, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's done for Sean. But you know, if I if I were the union, I would be giving him a deadline. No, you know, whether it's the end of this week or the end of next week or something, but I would be giving him a deadline. You know, he's got to make a decision. Yeah, you think they would have surely? Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe they have, but you know, I know it's not firmed up because I know if the deal was done, it would have been announced already. Yeah. Been wanting to confirm his defence coach in setup for a number of weeks, but it's not been able to because it's not finalised. You know, other than we know that Bayern Haywood is coming in, but Pivish wants to employ. Oh, if Edwards is, you know, signs up, he wants to employ two defence coaches working together. So, what, yeah, if, what, he, what if he doesn't sign up? Well, this this could be really interesting, and that's a question, Ben. So. Does he as well because he said I want two defence coaches? Has he dug an hole for himself by then having to find someone else to be a second defence coach? Yeah. Or do we go back to just it's just Byron Haywood and and then the public will say, well, people will say, well, it's clear then he only wanted Edwards as a PR exercise. Yeah, it's it's, it's an awkward one. It is awkward, isn't it? Yeah, because you know, you got to what pivots. I said, you know, you've got the you be marrying the best strengths of and uh, of uh, Edwards and uh, and Hayward. Uh, Byron's analysis, the opposition, looking at opposition moves, that sort of thing, countering them, and Edwards is on field work as Mister Motivator. Yeah, you know, no, John yeah. doesn't analyze too much analysis, uh, analyzing the opposition. So his strengths on the field, and it coaching the boys and getting at the boys, etc., etc. You know, it's, it's an interesting. It'll be an interesting dynamic. You know, I'm sure Byron would learn a lot. Let's be honest. I don't. Whoever, whoever made the decision to to offer Sean Edwards a new contract, whether that was Pivac, whether that was the union, as soon as they made that decision, they had to get the contract nailed because we are in a situation. You know, once you you know once you made that decision and it got out in in, in the press and and suddenly you know it's it, everyone's riding the crest this wave. Oh, it's great, Sean Edwards is staying. It had to be done and dusted because now it's sort of yeah we're we're back in a halfway house and it's it's undermining everyone at the minute. Let me ask you this: If Wales had finished fourth in the Six Nations, would the public be clamouring for Sean Edwards to stay? Potentially, I don't know. Sean Edwards has always had a 
always sort of garnered an affection mm. from from the Welsh public that Rob Howley and you know even Ron McBride have never really sort of you know garnered you. I think it's, it's taken it's taken Ron McBride sort of going to Leinster for a lot of Welsh fans to sort of realise what we might miss. Yeah, it's, uh, um, what's, it, what's interesting with McBride and perhaps it's the case of Rob Howley as well is that perhaps they've got a lot more respect outside Wales than in it. It reminds me of the situation around Robert Jones was scrum after yeah. Wales. And people outside Wales thought Robert Jones, fantastic player. But a lot of people in Wales weren't convinced. Is it a similar situation with the coaches? Robbie McBride, great bloke, honest, hard-working, loyal, dry wit. Sort of bloke he won alongside him in the trenches. Has pulled one of the best... Well, he's, he's pulled the job with the uh, Europe's top club, European champions, Leinster. Yep. As forwards coach. You know, with Stuart Lancaster, Leo Cullen, etc. So they must have seen something in him. Yeah. Would you have liked to keep him in Wales? Uh, well, Gatland is... Uh, that was another issue he addressed yesterday. Gatland yeah. is... Uh, it believes that uh, 13 years of IP, intellectual property, has been wasted by Wales not keeping him. And he thinks Irish rugby and the Ireland team could benefit from having Robin McBride on board. Uh, and he calls okay. Ireland our closest rivals. So, um, uh, you know, we don't know for sure, but was McBride offered a chance to coach the Dragons? Was he in a shake-up? Did he apply? Did they ask him to apply? Um, or is it just the case that he's, you know, desperate for work, he hasn't been offered any work in uh, Wales, and uh, he's, he's gone to Leinster? You know, should, he be, should McBride be Dragons' head coach? What do you think? Should have been in the running, shouldn't he? I've always been of the opinion, from like a coaching standpoint, once you've, once you've coached your national team, it's it's a bit of a step down to then go back yeah, but he wasn't to the domestic, coach. go back to the domestic game in, in your country. Because I always feel, and you know, if if he had genuine aspirations of being head coach of Wales someday, then yeah, taking a head coach role at Dragons would be ideal, but. Once, once you've coached in the national setup, are you likely to come back and coach again? It, maybe, not. maybe, maybe not. And He's I not feel, old, is he? Yeah, and I always feel you, you, you coach in the regions to get into that national setup. So I feel going back from the national setup to the regions, I've always seen that as an odd move, but someone like Ron McBride should have been looked at by, by the Dragons. Simple as that, shouldn't it? Well, maybe another region. Even yeah. Else, you know, you know, you'd you'd like to think, and we, Rob Howley is being looked at by the Dragons, which we we, we understand is the case, along with um, Graham Rowntree. I think Dean Dean Ryan's been mentioned now. Yeah, obviously, but, obviously, Kerry Jones's name will be in the hat, but yeah, I'd be fed uh, out of that lot. You know, why are we looking at Rowntree and Dean Ryan? Uh, if you've got it, you know, Howley and uh, McBride and you know I've been calling all along for this Mike Reddick but uh, yeah. they haven't spoken to him uh, why should we be considering having Ryan or Roundtree and developing England coaches at a Welsh region when you know there's a scarcity of positions anyway in uh, in pro rugby in Wales for the, uh, uh, for Welsh people yeah. so uh, you know and Dean Ryan let's face facts he's a great analyst on TV has wrote a good column and all, but as an head coach, he's been a failure. Everywhere he's been, Gloucester, Bristol, Worcester. 
Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you know. So why would you want to buy it? That's a good point. Good point. Um I don't speak for the dragons. You know, Roundtree's <laughs> never been a coach. He's always coached no. a minute of Georgia, uh, and has been a specialist scrum coach on with the Lions in England in the past. There we go then. Let's uh, get Howley to the Dragons. Uh, why not? Why not? Indeed. Um, I think that pretty much puts Wales to bed. Unless you've got any anything else you can think of on the on the World Cup squad or Gatland or Sean Edwards. No, we've, I think we finished. We've, I think we're done with that. I think we're going to be talking about Wales rather a lot over the next few months. Oh, yeah, we are. Because we're stuck in Wales as well. Matthew Southam Sorton is off to Japan to, uh, to cover that one. Um, so let's move on to Judgment Day. That was last Saturday. Um, two enjoyable games. Absolutely. Um, let's start with the first one. Didn't see that one coming, did we? Uh, no. Dragons beating the Scarlets. No, no, not at all. Um, Although I don't want to, I don't want to like sound like Captain Hindsight, but when it was it was seventeen six at half time, and even before Ross Moriarty had that try disallowed, part of me did think that the scoreline flattered the Scarlets a little bit. I thought if the Dragons can get the next score on the board, they they can get back into this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 did, I didn't quite expect them to get back into it with sort of that many well, quick tries. Well, they had a bad patch when Amos was in Simbin. Yeah, you know, two tries, and that was the difference in the first half. But yeah. with the Dragons, it was you know their lack of victories, uh, the, the uh, fragile minds that uh, you thought of semi and six. You, you're right. If the Scarlets had gone next, that would have been game over, for sure. But uh, you know the the Dragons then chiseled away, and he also as we dis- we did discuss beforehand that it wasn't a great Scarlets pack with all their injuries. So maybe the Dragons could get at him. I think Kerry Jones, let's give him some credit, got his selection right up front. Scrum. Particularly by yeah. playing Lloyd Fairbrother on a tight head rather than a Wales Court member, Leon Brown. And their scrum went a lot better than it has been going in recent oh, yeah, uh, weeks. And they did a good number on the um, on the Scarlets up front. Will Boyd, Josh McLeod and all, you know, they didn't make their normal impact. Thought Aaron Wainwright was in this Wales squad and he's a real contender for the World Cup. Yeah. Even again the side, I think he's such a prospect. Gatlin called him X-rated yesterday. X Factor is that uh, Wainwright. <laughs> X Factor. <laughs> Wainwright does. Uh, he was superb and Moriarty yeah. had his best game for the Dragons. He um, did. Yeah, he did. You know, so uh, so yeah, they they got into it, didn't they? But then, was there complacency from the Scarlets? Because then the Scarlets, I think, they regained the lead. Us and anyway, they got a fourth try for the bonus point. And did they think, and well, we've got the bonus point, we want, wins in a bag. Did they then allow this, the, the Dragons back in? I don't know. It's, just, it's a strange one. It, it is a strange one. I've, of course, there was the interception try of the Dragons. Yeah, uh, God, it was that telegraphed, wasn't it? You could see that from a mile off. Mm. But there is, there is nothing more satisfying than, you know, seeing a, seeing an opposite, opposite, opposite flight half sort of come from deep to pick that off. Um, yeah, the Scarlets. I think it's been it's been the same problems they've had all season, really. I think. Well, since the Ras the Ras in ninety two. Yeah, they, they. When they have when they have long stretches of possession, they look they look surprisingly blunt. They struggle to break teams down sometimes. I didn't I didn't think Dan Dan Jones held the defense particularly well. I think that can be said of a few players um, in that back line. Uh, Hadley Parks was quiet. Um, 
Charles Davis picked it up the second half, man. Yeah. Pat, when Patchell came on, it made a difference. Yeah. His range of yeah. passing just, just gets people over the game line, gets people through gaps, maybe a way that Dan Jones quite didn't in the first half. But yeah, like like all, as, as with the Scarlet's all season, they've struggled to get put together complete performances that they you know they can just switch off for 20 minutes and that cost them didn't it you know I know yeah is it Matthew Screech scored the first try and then you know Bulbring got yellow carded and then within that 10 minutes they conceded two more tries and, and, and were trailing and at that point they were then they were in a dog fight and the Dragons held their composure better to come out on top yeah yeah, yeah. but um luck, luckily for the Scarlets that's, that's that wasn't well, it, where their season ended um, yet yeah it, that could have been Wayne Pivak's final game yeah. um, it isn't they had, they had a bit of a wait didn't they um, to see if Edinburgh and Benetton um, yeah. would well, in the end won. it didn't make any difference did it because Benetton got the required number of points to be assured of a pro 14 playoff so that ruled the Scarlets out of that yeah. and it is it is back even if the Scarlets had won against the Dragons it wouldn't have mattered because Benetton would have been ahead of them yep. so the first result they had a concern about was Edinburgh Edinburgh obviously knew the Scarlet's result you know there was a fear I think among the press corps that uh, you know Glasgow who needed a win as well would that be like Glasgow to win that much 40 points to 36 or something Edinburgh get there yeah. um, you know Edinburgh would uh, and Edinburgh would find a way to get those two bonus points yeah you know but Glasgow just took them apart but Glasgow took them apart they did number on them and uh, and it means the Scarlets have got a lifeline about Europe some, it was some like, Glasgow performance because they like Edinburgh had about 80% possession yeah and just Edinburgh got quite a good record you see against Glasgow Glasgow just kept kept their attack quiet and then just hit them on the counter attack you know people like mm. when you've got people like Adam Hastings and Stuart Hogg it's probably quite easy to sort of um Hit teams on the counter, but um, yeah, so that's the, that was the Scarlets um, sort of booking their place in the European playoff, not in the most glorious of fashions. Uh, and then the second game was a sort of head to head to decide who would also reach that playoff. Um, Ospreys against Cardiff Blues, another another sort of quite dramatic match. A few talking points. You were you were in the stadium to watch that one. I had to nip back. Did it cover some football? But um, yeah, it was writing some stuff as well on the scarlet. So I didn't see it all. The last time I was glancing at it, uh, the thing and all. But it was uh, yeah, yeah, lot, lot interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of talking points. Um, interesting encounter. I thought the second half you could see there was a lot of tension in the air. The two teams they probably probably both came a bit hesitant, dropped off a bit, and. Um, yeah, it ended up, didn't it, with the, uh, the Ospreys, well, I'm not saying nicking it, but the Ospreys, you know, uh, edging it. Uh, controversy, wasn't there? John Mulville, Blues coach, yeah. was angry about the tribe being disallowed for Thomas Williams, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't a potential tribe. Not the tribe disallowed, but uh, it was uh, Dan Evans wanted to deliver it. Not gone, should it be a penalty try? Mulville claimed. Um, you know, or would Thomas Williams definitely score or not? What do you think? It's quite. It was quite some way out, wasn't it? Um, well, it, was, it was only like twenty-five meters from that guy. So yeah. The end of George North was uh, on the outside. I would he have caught Thomas Williams? I don't know. There was a lot of people in the you, you, you don't know, do you? So you can't. You can't really give the penalty try. 
the, the way Melville was speaking about it, it was it was almost like George North was in 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 the crowd. Yeah. Um, he was that far off, but yeah, obviously that that was one talking point. Um, Annie accused of walking diving. A disallowed try for um, uh, Nick Williams' obstruction. Yeah. Because um, I, I had it on in here in the office without sound, and when I saw all these replays and I could tell they were checking the try, I assumed it was for a forward pass. I, I thought Jared's pass was forward. Yeah. So that's what I thought they were checking for, but then I saw. I thought that pass was forward, actually. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered anyway if, if Nick Williams um, hadn't obstructed it yet. Again, that looked relatively clear cut from the from the replays that yeah. I saw. Um, yeah, the, the way I saw this game going, I think we both we both saw this was the Ospreys would sort of overpower them, but the Blues are capable of scoring tries from distance, and to an extent, it went that way. Obviously, yeah, the Ospreys played a bit more rugby than I was expecting. Now. Yeah, and I the Blues kicked for the position a lot more. I think the Blues kept it maybe a bit tighter than I thought yeah. they, they were bearing the tight than I thought they'd be so yeah. evened out but yeah, um, yeah I don't think anyone can sort of question Gareth Anscombe no can they he um, kicked a lot of kicks earlier yeah he, he was unfortunate that he that he missed that one and should have nailed it mate. maybe he did, he did too <laughs> mind you we, we were at the stadium at the time and we did say well you're going to miss this one <laughs> just it was one of those things you know of all the ones because he had kicked well and he had played really well so, scored, a, scored a brilliant yeah, try. Yeah, and I think people have uh, accepted that because I, I don't think I've seen myself, I haven't seen anyone really blame in Anscombe. I've seen, uh, seen a few people on Twitter. A few. Yeah, but there's plenty of you know, awesome people yeah, like on Twitter. Don't they? You know, they, they don't moan if it's, the sun is out, if it's snowing, if it's raining, whatever yeah. the weather, they're moaning all the time. They don't got anything better to do with their lives. Just, it's just a bit unfortunate that, that a sort of Gareth Anscombe miss kick turned out to be yeah, don't forget he the can, turning point, didn't it? Yeah, but you know, look at the points he contributed in exactly, that game, yeah. the try he made and everything. So he looked like you know he was right up for it from a blues point of view. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. Now we end up with a playoff for the final European place. Ospreys against Scarlets. Ospreys against Scarlets. Winner take all shootout. Champions Cup beckons. So being a it's a shame. It's a do you know what that, that game should be taking place this weekend. Yeah, so um, yeah, really instead of having to wait a few weeks. Yeah, it's not ideal, is it? It's not. I don't. I don't see why it couldn't take place this weekend. Yeah, because obviously this weekend you've got the two quarterfinals of the Pro Fourteen playoff, but that's yeah, surely has to take all of it, no? Yeah, it's better than it being on the weekend of the semi final. I don't know. It's just a, it's a bizarre one. Um, Perhaps they thought think about logistics, but I only have to arrange it. I know, of course, I suppose there could be, you know, how this could still be other issues with the game, you know. Um, Liberty Stadium, will Swansea City be using a stadium? Will the Ospreys be able to stage it at Liberty? I don't know. I don't know what's on that weekend. Season will be over. And what if they win a playoff? Good point. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but it's, I, I, you know, I, I assume that they will be staged yeah. at Liberty, is just why. Yeah. They would have to, uh, they couldn't insist surely on them, like, playing on a. Um, say a Saturday if uh, the Ospreys couldn't use the stadium on a Saturday but they'd be okay the next day on a Sunday the, the Pro 14 organisers going to have to be accommodated to the Ospreys in this in the Scarlets could play the brewery fields well, that'd be ridiculous wouldn't it because this is a potential sellout yeah if it's had, it been right. had it been Edinburgh I reckon they would have 
I'll play the brewery field. Yeah. Why? I reckon they'd make more money off it than playing a... Because you what, what crowd would you go for anyway? You probably wouldn't get a good crowd, would you? I know it's, I know it's a European player, but you probably like, wouldn't... You probably wouldn't rate, yeah, exactly. And it probably... It costs... It'll cost the Ospreys less to get that crowd well, at the brewery well, field than it would at Liberty. For the Scarlets, you'll get a good crowd, so it makes sense to play at the Liberty. Well, I think, yeah, I think I'll think about them. These are both teams you would expect this to be a sellout, wouldn't it? Gotta be, yeah. Right? yeah, for the for these two teams. It's, yeah. a, it's a cup final. Scarlet's going to do a cup final. Ospreys against the Scarlets after everything that's happened this season for one of them to get a European place. Yeah, you know, everything. This is everything on the line. This yeah. should be a huge occasion. It will be. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course, they could still both qualify. There's um. Oh, let's don't go too much into that. Just give it. If if there's a way, if Lens yeah. win the if win the Champions Cup. I think, haven't haven't looked at it very briefly. I I think it could happen. The way the way. <laughs> the tables are standing at the minute it's set to happen if Leinster win but um, yeah, Fred, there's a lot of rugby to be played in France you know in the French some, League you also know there's another scenario then don't you that if the, if that happens and Wales get uh, not Wales if the um, Pro 14 gets that extra place and if the Ospreys beat the Scarlets who would have that final place? Would it be the Scarlets or Cardiff Blues? Simon Thomas, he's desperately been trying to get out of the uh, Pro 14. What's the situation? How will that be determined? And after last night, he hadn't had, uh, had, had an answer from him. My, my opinion is it's got to go to the Scarlets. Yeah, it's got to go to the playoff for a loser, you, 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 you cannot, you cannot you can, give it the Blues just because they might have more points on the league. You, can, you, can, you can play a conference system all season long and, and, and then decide at the end, well, actually, they have more points in that conference because... What's Scarlet, Scarlet, and the Blues have played different fixtures this year because of the conference systems. Yeah. Mm. So points doesn't really equate to a suitable sort of. So so our me- so your message to Pro Fourteen organisers is, is get you get 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 you you know get it sorted. Get it sorted. I think I think I, I think I had the same message last year because we we came very close to the situation mm. last year when the Scar the Ospreys and Ulster played each other. It was very close to being a similar sort of. Eight, eight teams qualified from the Pro 14 and would have, would have hoped they learned their lessons but the other um, bit, clearly not the other finally I think the other bit of fallout of course since that Pro 14 final is the future of Mr Nick Williams he's 35 yeah. Blues want to give him a new contract but the uh, the Welsh Rugby Union has vetoed it now uh, at the same time Sam Luzi yep is joining the Scarlets from the other Canes. He's a lock who can play back row. Yep. Uh, Why are you allowing that? Uh, what's going on? That's a very good question, and I don't know. Um, is Will Boyd going to the Blues? Is that? Yeah, but he's not really out and out number eight, is he? No, no, he isn't. If if anything, well, maybe. If anything, right? Be interested. The Blues have always needed. The Blues have needed number eight cover for Nick Williams they don't need a replacement for Nick Williams they need someone to well they will in time in time they, they will they can get someone better than Nick Williams that is they better. should yeah but they should yeah I, uh, the way this season's gone with project reset players getting contracts late I, they're, they're not going to get someone better mm. for the next season they need to get someone who can offer Nick Williams cover and to be honest we, maybe Will Boyd would be that well, person cover across the back row exactly cover across the back row <coughs> I don't think Will Boyd is what they want as a replacement for Nick Williams. It's not like for like number eight, is it? No. He? You know, he's a guy like Josh Turnbull who can play number eight in an emergency. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's it's not ideal that the union is sort of trying to force that. Yeah, with Nick Williams, you know, his experience, size of the man and all, which people can play off him, um, surely that would be a benefit to the youngsters coming through. Yeah. You know. And yeah, we've... Give, give him another year. We've got a paucity of sort of non in Wales, haven't we? Well, let's let's yeah. be honest. If there's one, if there's one position that we are struggling with in, in Wales, it's it's we, number eights, and maybe you could argue that oh, having having a thirty six year old uh, Nick Williams playing number eight is keeping someone out. But I can't see you with that. I, who's next on the progression? You're better off having, you know, the likes of you know. Or the, the young Cardiff Blues number eights learning off Nick Williams for a couple of years, then yeah, I thought so. That's that's the thinking, but that's what, you know, unless the WIU they think it can change Lewis Hughes play eight. I mean, he was a lock at the end of twenty World Cup, um, uh, in twenty sixteen. Uh, he's now playing back row, generally blindside. Could he be a number eight? He, I don't know. If he can play number eight, I don't know. Then you give him a season yeah. with Nick Williams playing number eight because mm. Nick Nick Williams is thirty six. He won't play every game, but you're better off. You're better off having Nick Williams on the training ground, teaching Shane, Shane how to play number eight, yeah. and then Shane getting some time rather than going right. You're gonna you're gonna start number eight next year, and if you don't work out, you know when Wales and the Blues played Seb Davis at number eight, that's not been a success, in no. my opinion. No. So, yeah. No. Should have, they should have moved Reese character number eight when they had the chance. Oh. <laughs> He he would be a very good number eight. Scott Just Grinnell type. Yeah, yeah. Are you thinking Ben? You thinking all the time? Say what? <laughs> give him give him a game for Wales a number. He could go as a he could go as a prop and a number eight. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Good call. Yeah, hey, you know Gartner's like you might have already thought of that. Oh, I'd, I'd love that. Any 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 player who could sort of cover front row and back row. That is that's the dream scenario to World Cup. Mm. Right there we go. That's Judgment Day in the Rugby World Cup squad all put to bed that's all for today's uh, Welsh Rugby podcast uh, but there's really plenty more rugby news coming up in the, the, the next week or so potentially Sean Edwards his future being resolved <laughs> and he's got his head in his hands <laughs> but uh, yeah for all that uh, the latest Welsh Rugby news you can catch it all on Wales Online